Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 172 of Dogcast Radio, which is all about doodles. Doodles are poodle mixes, and as you'll gather as we go along, they're a lot of dog. And it seems to me, if you know what you're getting into, if you've done some research, if you find an ethical breeder, if you have the time, energy and knowledge to raise a doodle, they can be a lovely pet. That's a lot of ifs, and there's a big but coming now, so if you're up to the job, they can be great. But if you get a doodle on a whim, or from the wrong breeder, be very careful, because they really are a lot of dog. Just a quick reminder that you can get this along with all our other shows and tons more at our website www.dogcastradio.com. So, the idea of an interview with Carolyn Menteith about doodles and the potential problems associated with them was floated months ago when we had a chat. And it was a complete coincidence that in the very week we recorded the interview, I was asked to judge the novelty classes at Doodlefest, which is a big celebration of everything doodle. But Life's funny like that, isn't it? So let's get on with finding out about doodles. Carolyn Menteith is an experienced behaviourist. She won the Kennel Club Accredited Instructors Trainer of the Year Award in 2015 and she writes and broadcasts prolifically about dogs. So when she said she had concerns about the doodle mix, I wanted to hear more because I believe the best way to encourage responsible dog breeding is to have informed dog buyers. I'm talking today to Carolyn Menteith. Hi, Carolyn. Hello. Hi. Now, we're going to talk today about quite a hot topic, really, because they, they, this is something that's spreading and becoming ever more pervasive in the dog world. But it's sort of doodles and, and the poodle crosses that sort of you find everywhere. There are oodles of doodles out there. <laughs> there are, there are. And, um, <laughs> and I have to say, you know, they do look, some of them um, do look very, very sweet. And um, <laughs> your, your hackles may be going up now. I'm sorry, so I'm sorry if I'm saying the wrong thing. But some of them do look very sweet. And you can see why people want one. But it's not just the look of the dog, is it? There, there is potential for, for problems with these poodle crosses, aren't there? Well, there certainly are. I mean, yeah, you're right. Some of them are absolutely enchanting. You see them and they are just this, you know, lovely, gorgeous, teddy bear type looking dogs. And and I'm not immune to that either by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I've seen them. I've seen ones that work fantastically well. Um, And when the crosses do work, they do work amazingly well. Uh, I've seen I've seen ones that I would have taken home in a heartbeat. Uh, some of the assistance dog charities use them. Um, some of the some of the smaller doodles are used by hearing dogs, and some of the bigger doodles are used by some of the other assistance dog charities. And that's where they started off. Mm. I mean, Labradoodles started off as assistance dogs, and I can't remember whether it was either in Australia or in the States. I can't remember. I think it was. I think it was Australia, wasn't it? I think it was Australia, um, and the whole idea was to get a dog who would work who didn't shed. Uh, because an awful lot of assistance dog recipients might have allergies um, and they didn't want a shedding dog and so they thought it would be a great idea to breed something that doesn't shed because poodles don't shed. Labradors do, you know. You've lived with a Labrador, you just know that you have a mattress of Labrador (laughs) hair everywhere all the time. People say, get a short-haired dog like a Labrador, people say. Don't put all these long hair that you are awash with hair when you have them. How come the dog doesn't go bald? I sometimes look at Buddy and think, why are you bald yet? There's so much fur everywhere else. Yeah, you could make a second Labrador oh, from easily. the hair that you have everywhere else. <laughs> Um, and so it was a great idea. Yeah, it, this, this, this whole idea was, was, was a really, really good idea in theory. Um, and so that's, that's kind of where our oodles of doodles came from. Uh, and they've also been bred, the smaller ones have been bred, because, again, in theory, they should be great house dogs, great companion dogs, to have a dog who doesn't shed, because everybody would kind of like to have a dog without any dog hair all over the place, uh, that, that's nice and easy and looks like a cuddly toy. What could go wrong with that? <laughs> yeah, right, okay. <laughs> Um, when they work, they work fantastically well. But the problem is there is a scope for it to seriously not work. First of all, because 50% of them will shed. 50% of them will have the coat that 
the other one, they inherited from the other one. So rescue centres up and down the country are full, have got full of doodles who shared um, and who have been given back, gifted into rescue because the you know lovely low-maintenance dog that they thought they were going to get is now shedding everywhere. Um, so it doesn't work as a sort of hypoallergenic dog that people thought they were getting or that the person that they bought them from said that they were getting. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. 50% of them don't work for that. But then you then start to see a lot of them for for behavior problems when you start having these designer crosses. I've seen quite a lot of Labradoodles for, for resource guarding uh, because they've taken a working type Labrador. And if you look at working Labradors, they're highly, highly possessive because yeah. they kind of have to be. The whole idea is we've bred a dog who will go out and bring game back through lakes and hedges and fences and you know for miles without letting go of it because they've got to be so they've got to be really really possessive but when they get back they've got kind of got no great competitiveness so they'll kind of go you know what i've brought this thing back through fields and fences and hedges and and you can have it now um whereas you cross that with a poodle who are anyone who's got poodles know they're actually quite competitive little things so what you end up with is something that goes, I've brought this thing back through like hedges and lakes and fences and fields. And if you take it, I'll kill you. Yeah. It's like, whoa, okay, where did that kind of come from? So we're taking dogs who've just got different ways of behaving. And the other thing is, in a working Labrador, you have got a dog that is bred to work, that wants to work all day. And you breed them to something else that is incredibly active. Because um, poodles are, I mean, if you ever go to, you know, visit someone who has actually got pr- full purebred poodles, they're pretty much on springs most of the time, mm-hmm. especially little ones. They ping around all over the place. Um, and so what you end up with is you get, you have a dog who is bred to carry things around and wants to do that all day, all the time. So you end up with a really, really, really active dog. And a lot of people who take the working cross poodle crosses, so the, the working spaniel cockapoos um, and the labradoodles and the goldie doodles end up with this dog who literally wants to work all the time and they've got no idea why they've got a dog that needs so much input which wasn't the kind of low maintenance no shedding dog that they thought they were going to get right back at the beginning no i mean i have to say we i, I took jenny with me to, to um interview some labradoodle well it was labradoodle rescue and mm-hmm. um, we'd, we'd seen a few around. We hadn't actually at that point had much to do with one. And they look really nice dogs. You know, these, I'm talking, the, the big ones, the, you know, the sort of early on mm, in, the labrador, yeah. in the Labrador. They are. They're nice. They're lovely. Oh, lovely. But we had about four or five around us. And Jenny was, I suppose, I had 12 or something, something, about 12 at the time. And, you know, if a dog jumps up you, we'd told her, you know, you just turn away and fold your arms. So both of us ended up, because these dogs were very, as you say, on springs. And we both did the, okay, fold your arms, turn away thing. They didn't give up. And we both they ended up bouncing. Yeah, scratches down our back. And we yeah. came away a little bit taken aback with, my goodness, these dogs are really, really active. I'm sure you could have, you could have trained them, I'm sure. But they, they didn't have, you know, they weren't quite as wanting to please as a Labrador was. And they certainly had determination and they just kept going. And it was like, I'm going to knock you over before I give up trying to get fuss from you. And it was yeah. quite and, a... And, st- yeah. and stamina as well. Um, and so you, you've, got that, you've got that stamina, you've got that working thing, and you've got that real, I want to talk to you thing of the poodle. And so, yeah, absolutely. They can do that. They can do that for hours. <laughs> um, but I think that one of the other big problems that we have with them is certainly with the smaller ones they are being very, very, very heavily puppy farmed and very heavily irresponsibly bred. So it's, it's even harder to try and find one that is, that is, that is well bred uh, because people are breeding them intentionally, but they're not health testing them. And yes. people don't even think about that. They don't think that these dogs need all the health tests that both the breeds of the parents would need. Um, for them to be healthy, for them to be happy, and then they've still got to be reared in a proper environment. They are being very, very heavily uh, puppy farmed. And you ask an awful lot of people with the smaller doodles where they got them from, and it's quite often internet adverts, um, newspaper adverts. um, It's irresponsible breeding. And that makes it even worse because they don't get the early upbringing, the early socialization, habituation, early education that you need to have a 
calm, settled family dog. And so that's another really, really big problem. People are people know just how much people buy into these really cute, gorgeous teddy bear dogs. So they're being illegally imported a lot of the time and just very, very irresponsibly bred. So there is there is a problem with oodles of doodles. If you've fallen in love with one, if you see one and you desperately, desperately want one, then find someone who is breeding them responsibly, who is doing all the health tests for both sets of parents, who are rearing them in the home, who are giving them a really, really good start in life the way you would expect with every single other breed of dog. And don't let people tell you about... There's this great mystical hybrid vigor. You'll get a healthy dog because they have got hybrid vigor that's just people who are trying to blind you with science because they don't know what hybrid vigor actually means um, and hybrid vigor means that it's what you get in free breeding populations in other words dogs who are free to breed freely so in other words the dogs who have managed to reach breeding age are the healthiest ones um, of their type because the others would have died off because in a free breeding population and the only time we really see that now is in in street dog populations not that many get to survive to adulthood to pass their genes on so it's only the really really healthy ones that get to do that and then it's only the very 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 fit males that get to breed with the females and that's what hybrid figure is we do not have that in this country we cannot claim hybrid vigor for any designer crossbreed whatsoever we are still selecting what dogs get to mate with what dogs and therefore we're breeding potentially if we don't health test for breeding diseases into crossbreeds just as much as we do into pedigree dogs Yes, we've seen what a mess we can make of... Any, oh, yes. No, we can really mess up dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so do you start mixing... Oh, we'll just mix and match with this, that and the other. Um, yeah, exactly. And you see some... Because of fashions, you're starting to see purebred dogs that are problematic because of the way they're being bred, like French bulldogs and pugs who are incredibly popular at the moment and so are being irresponsibly bred. And so you get all those real exaggerations of flat faces and no noses and skin folds and all of those things. And then you're now seeing people trying to cash in by breeding them to other irresponsibly bred dogs just to breed dogs that, you know, really aren't wise. Um, you know, I've seen pug French bulldog crosses and, I mean, all kinds of things that you just think, you know what, you're you're not improving either breed here. Um, and that's one of the problems I've got with oodles of doodles. Poodles have kind of fallen out of fashion a little bit, but poodles are awesome dogs. Yes. Um, all three sizes, they are awesome dogs. They are fantastic to train. They are so clever. They're so bright. They're so social. They're fantastic to have as house dogs. They're fantastic to have around. There's a size to suit everybody. And so I, I kind of, every time I see these oodles of doodles, I just want to say, what's wrong with a poodle? They are fantastic dogs. Um, I mean, I've, I've worked agility with poodles. I've worked obedience with poodles. They are so smart, so clever, and just lovely dogs. Yes, they need clipping um, because they don't shed, so they do need clipping. Um, people can get very sniffy about poodle hairdos. But pood poodle hairdos came about through practicality and not through fashion because poodles were originally water-retrieving dogs. Um, so the problem was with this great big heavy coat, it was too heavy when they were swimming. So what, what people used to do was to clip off all the bits of coat that they didn't need, but they needed to keep coat on over all the joints that could get knocked or get injured and over the top of all the, all the organs to keep the organs warm. So they needed ha hair across the chest and the heart and lungs, hair across the loins on the back and then hair on, on where their joints are, which ends up giving you a kind of bit of an odd haircut. And that's where the poodle cuts came from today. Mm -hmm. Obviously, in the show ring, they now get crazily exaggerated, <laughs> uh, yes. which is crazily exaggerated. Hairspray is now illegal in crafts, but I mean, it's always kind of been used. You used to walk into the poodle rings and you kind of like, you could see the hole in the ozone layer yes. above where the poodles are. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, so um, as far as I'm concerned, let's hear it for poodles. They are a fantastic breed. Let's not dilute them by crossing them with other dogs because we're doing... We're kind of doing both breeds a disservice by doing that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and as you were you're talking, I was thinking as well because you you see a lot of sort of um, people now will turn and say, "Oh, it's a you know it's a poodle jack 
Jack Russell cross. Now, again, both dogs are wonderful, both breeds wonderful dogs. They have their strengths, they have their challenges, shall we say. But again, I would think that the potential for the, you know, the, the dynamic terrier temperament and you're throwing in this intelligence and determination of the poodle, mm-hmm. that's got potential to be a disaster, hasn't it? Well, it really, really has, um, you know, because, again, poodles, really, really active, really on the go. Terriers, really reactive to things. So, I mean, what you get is you get a curly terrier with no off switch, um, you know, if you breed that with a poodle. And that's like a nightmare for most people. But what you don't get is well, if you take a puppy of, of any of these crosses, you don't actually know what kind of temperament they're going to grow up to have mm. because it could be either extreme of of one of the parents or anything in the middle. You know, you take a Jack Russell Terrier and you kind of know what you're getting. You take a Poodle and you kind of know what you're getting. Once you mix them together, who knows what you're getting? You get no clues at all. I mean, any dog's an individual, but you get no clues at all as to what you're going to end up with. Um, You know, you could end up with a... a curly-haired, laid-back terrier that doesn't do anything at all, which is fine if that's what you wanted. But if you wanted a, you know, a really you know, fantastic terrier, feisty temperament, then you might be bitterly disappointed. So you're kind of setting dogs up to fail so easily, both in terms of whether they're going to shed or not and then what their temperaments are. And, and people don't often think about temperaments anyway. They just think, looks cute, want it. Um, yes. Which yeah. is, you know, which is a problem. Um, you, I, I'm seeing loads, ooh, again, oodles of doodles, <laughs> in training classes, and people can't work out the best way to work with them because they didn't quite get what they expected. They thought this would just be a nice, cute little te- teddy bear, and as you say, it might be a Jack Russell poodle cross, and they've got this kind of feisty, curly thing on speed. So it's, yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't think we are doing any of the breeds any great services by crossing them. Um, in that way and there's nobody that's kind of doing it responsibly and which is also a problem i mean all nearly all the pedigree breeds that we have are created breeds somewhere in the dim and distant past um but there's nobody doing it with any kind of consistency yes. except possibly some of the um cockapoo people and some of the labradoodle people are are kind of trying to do that with a little bit more consistency but mm. even still yeah. I just, I, yeah. you know it's, it's let's like, hear it for the poodle that's what i'm saying yeah. today yeah, absolutely. But I mean, the other thing that they do now is they being, you know, <laughs> the naughty them. people. Yes, them, <laughs> the naughty people that do this kind of yes. thing. But they've pulled Bichons into it now, Bichon Freezes. Now, we yeah. had, we lost her in December last year, but we had a Bichon Freeze star who I, I loved it a bit. Jenny loved it a bit. She was wonderful to live with, but she was nobody's fool. You know, and yeah, she loved us. She, I mean, she loved, she did. I can't say she loved everybody. Buddy loves everybody. Everybody's either a friend mm-hmm. or a long lost friend, you know, that he just hasn't met yet. Whereas with Star, she was very much kind of, we'll see. You, you can prove yourself to me and we'll see. Yeah. She, would, she would be fussed. She wasn't sort of sharp in mm. that way, but she was a little bit sharper than Buddy. It was like, you'll earn my respect and then I'll. Yeah. You know, very, but, very first behaviour case I ever saw as a behaviourist was a Bichon. Yeah. And it was a Bichon who was, looked like a really, I mean, you know, they looked like, you know, yes. gorgeous little cute white fluffy dog who was owned by somebody who worked or ran actually a retirement home. And they had this Bichon. And this Bichon was absolutely adored his owner. I mean, mm. completely obsessed with his owner. If anyone else went anywhere near him, he would take pot shots quite happily. Mm. Um, you know, he was very, very much a one-person dog, and he would be more than happy to bite anyone who, you know, who, who wasn't, even if he knew them. You know, he was, he was, he was quite happy with his teeth. Um, they can be quite sharp little dogs. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, you can see, and, I mean, even, even with Star, who I, I wouldn't, said you know she never showed any evidence of being mm. sharp even with dogs she communicated but she was never sharp in that way um, yeah you know but she, she had her own little mind and, and you could also very much see her the terrier influence because she would get a soft toy of the right size <laughs> and she would get hold of it and she'd shake it and shake it and she'd do the growl yeah. and she's having a wonderful time but you could really see that terrier determination and dynamism yeah. you really could yeah, absolutely. I think people people are use, are making these designer crossbreeds, and they're just basing them entirely what they look like. Yes. They're not basing them on what is, 
good for the dog, what's good for the future owners, what's going to be good to live with. Um, and, and that is my problem. It's mm. all about looks. It's all about people wanting this cute teddy bear look that's low maintenance and that's easy. And people, unscrupulous people, are yes. fulfilling that demand yeah. by just crossing whatever they think is going to work without health testing and without thinking about what the behavior is going to be like and what these dogs are going to be like to live with for people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of the, t- again, I'm, I'm, I'm back to championing poodles. I didn't know this is the way this was going to go today, but I'm back <laughs> to championing poodles. An awful lot of the people who are going to get these designer crossbreeds, what they actually need is a poodle. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they just need, because poodles are lovely. They, they really are. are lovely. Yeah. And, and they're fun and there is, feisty as you would want a dog to be but without being sharp um and just really really good fun dogs you've got, yeah. you've got three sizes of them they fit everybody yeah. and um, they're very intelligent aren't they oh yeah i mean I've, I've seen i've seen standard poodles working at high level obedience um i've seen poodles doing agility at all levels and very very successfully uh, they are very very clever dogs yeah i i there was a time, I don't know if it's still the case, but I was talking to um, hearing dogs for deaf people and they had been saying that they'd never had a poodle or a poodle cross who'd failed the program because they're mm. so clever. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's still the case now, but they are really bright and really, really under- underestimated but, dogs. But having said that, I was just saying this earlier in the week, well, I, this comes up a lot. Sometimes the best working dogs, and I would you know, put assistance dogs in that category, the working dogs who have a wonderful life. And, you know, I, I really admire assistance dogs, but sometimes, uh, sorry, working dogs. But sometimes those dogs that will make, whether it's an assistance dog or a sniffer dog or, you know, a, a competitive dog, the fact that they have that job and they can challenge, channel their intelligence, their energy and all that makes them a wonderful working dog but they're not going to make such a wonderful pet are they i think that's actually really interesting they have a job to do and i think one of the other things as well as having a job to do they're also with their owner 24 7 yes um so they have that they have that really really strong bond so they have that relationship with their owner and they have a job to do and i think the combination of those two so they're not being left getting bored and getting frustrated um they're with their owner all the time they're using their brains all the time they're thinking all the time and so quite an awful lot of these um working assistance dogs you're absolutely right in a in a pet home where they have nothing much to do and they're expected to sit around for 23 hours a day waiting for someone to take them out they might not do as well without a shadow of a doubt and i think that's why um labradoodles can work really really well as assistance dogs Mm -hmm. uh but as family dogs for a lot of families this massively high energy high stamina dog is just too much for them because they don't want to, they don't want their entire life to be defined as owner of a Labradoodle, yes. um, which is kind of what you end up being, you know, all the time. It's how can I entertain this curly bouncing thing? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So, so when it works, it's fantastic, but the potential is, yeah, the potential is dubious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and interestingly, the person who bred the Labradoodles, who started the Labradoodles back in Australia, has come out publicly and said he wished he'd never done it. Oh which is kind of interesting yeah. because it was done for the right reasons at the time, yeah. but it's been jumped yeah. on for lots of other things as well. So what makes a fantastic assistance dog, as you just said, might not make a great companion yeah. dog, a yeah. family dog, unless they know what they're getting and, and they're ready for the input for such a high-maintenance, high-energy dog. Yeah, yeah. I always think with dogs, we and, and I've picked this up from other people, it's not, not my <laughs> um, theory, but we need to look at what was the dog bred for? What was it meant to do yeah. originally? Now, obviously, they were invented, you know, created with the best will in the world and for a good purpose. But very quickly, that was hijacked. And so in the main, it seems to me, they have been sort of bred to make money for the purple for the person breeding them. And the, the other word that I hate when it's applied to dogs is this hypoallergenic. That's one of the, that's <laughs> doomed the flaming doodles because yeah. there is no such flaming thing as a hypoallergenic no. dog. For goodness no. sake, that infuriates me. Well, yes, absolutely. I mean, all dogs shed a small amount. Okay, poodles need to be clipped and they don't shed. But an awful lot of people who are allergic to dogs aren't allergic to the hair anyway. They're allergic to the dander in the coat in the same way that we're allergic to house dust mites and things like that. You know, we're not allergic to our carpets, we're allergic to the house dust mites. And so hypoallergenic... 
anybody who says to me, I want a hypoallergenic dog, it's, I always say time, even if you're going to go and get a poodle or a Bichon or all the things that they say don't shed, go and spend time with yes. these dogs. Really make sure, because chances are, if you're allergic to dogs, you'll be allergic to all dogs. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, the, the other thing, that it, it's such a complicated area, is you could go and get a, a puppy and you because puppies give off fewer allergens than adult dogs, mm-hmm. you won't yes. be allergic to the puppy. You may well be allergic to it when it's an adult. And also, yes. even within one litter, there may be some puppies that will trigger your allergies and some puppies that won't. So it's yes. so complicated. It's not as simple as going, I'd like a non-shedding dog, as you've just no. said. And that's even, that's even more in these doodle crosses because you will have all, all coat types across the, across yeah. the litter. Um, so whereas one might not shed at all, one might moderately shed, one might shed a lot um, and, and all points in between. So it's it's certainly, no, hypoallergenic dogs, just they kind of don't exist. No, no. Um, so forget that. Don't look for a hypoallergenic dog. Well, um, yeah, I, yeah, I think possibly um, Mexican hairless, but even then you're still going to get the dander in the coat. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. And again, have, if if anybody's listening to this that has bought a, a, an you know a poodle a, a poodle cross, mm-hmm. thinking it would be um, a hypoallergenic dog, and it isn't, there are things you can do to to re- reduce the allergens. It's not you know don't despair, don't dump the dog. Um, there are things you can do to reduce the allergens oh. and to reduce the the triggers for your allergies. So don't give up if you have got one. But it isn't you know it isn't just a given, is it, that it won't be. No, absolutely not. I mean, and I know lots of people who have allergies to dogs who make it work yes. um, with all sorts of different ways and different things that they can do, whether that's with themselves taking antihistamines, whether it's yes. using, you know, specific vacuum cleaners, whether it's about using specific products that get rid of the loose hair on the, on the coat. And there's all sorts of things that you can do um, yeah. if you do have allergies. Um, because the reality is, an awful lot of dog lovers do, an awful lot of cat lovers do, and they just find ways to make yes. it work because owning a dog is pretty much worth it. Yes. It's worth the sneezing, quite honestly, Absolutely. and the <laughs> vacuuming of all the Labrador hairs that you end up with everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, definitely. I, absolutely. Do, do you think it's a case? I mean, we, we know that at the moment... Um, if you're going to buy a dog, and I'm not anti-breeder at all. There are some fantastic <laughs> breeders out there, and they, yeah. we need to support the, the brilliant breeders there are. Um, but do you think it's a case, even more so with the, the new designer crosses, whether that's an Oodle or a Bichon or whatever's thrown into mm-hmm. the mix, it's buyer beware even more so than with a pedigree dog? Oh, I mean, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, th- I think that goes that goes anyway. Um, but I mean, if with these designer crossbreeds, you have to ask why is the person breeding in the yes. first place. Yes. Uh, and with an awful lot of the designer crossbreed dogs, it's money, and it's nothing mm-hmm. more than that. Yeah. And there's more of that than there is in in purebred dogs. An awful lot of purebred dog breeders, there, as you said excellent excellent breeders out there who genuinely are passionate about the breed want to improve the breed want to improve their own lines and who are in it because this is a breed of dog that over however long they've been in dogs they've grown to love and they want and and this is how they want to specialize but with these designer crossbreeds an awful lot of people not everybody but an awful lot of people are cashing in on being able to make money because it's popular. You only have to look. I mean, never, ever, ever buy a dog on the Internet without a shadow of a doubt. But if you do go onto the Internet and just look at some of these designer crossbreeds and look at the staggering price tags that are on them for... For what is a crossbreed, no matter what name you give it, whether you give it a Labradoodle, a Cockapoo, a Sprocker, uh, any one of these endless, trendy names that you can have. Somebody, I found a Didgeridoodle the other day, which was extraordinary, which is apparently an Australian Shepherd Poodle cross. They were calling them Didgeridoodle puppies. Um, You know, no matter what fancy names people give them, they are crossbreeds. Yeah. But they're fetching extraordinary money. And 
And so I think that's one of the big reasons why it really is buyer beware with these designer crossbreeds, because too many people are doing it because they can make money, because they see these really, really high price tags. They've maybe got an oodle of some kind, um, and if they cross it with Mr. Jones's next door, whatever Mr. Jones next door happens to have, we can now advertise this with a fancy name for £1,500 a puppy. And, And it's a way of making money, and they don't even cross their mind to to health test, to rear, to breed responsibly, to look at the temperament of the mother, to look at the temperament of the father, for that matter. Um, all of those things that responsible breeders do as a matter of course is kind of being skipped in this let's look at a money-making idea. Uh, and at the moment, when people are certainly feeling the pinch of austerity in our current economic climate, people are looking for ways to make money. So I think one of the big things in terms of buying these designer crossbreeds is why are these people breeding them? What are they doing by it? It's not to improve the breed because these aren't breeds. No matter you are buying a crossbreed, there is no such thing as a Labrad Kennel Club Labradoodle or a um, Kennel Club Cockapoo. Or These are just crossbreeds, so why are people breeding them? Um, and there's not many people who are doing it for a good reason, as far as I can see. Some of the assistance dog charities are doing it to breed their own dogs that they are going to use as assistance dogs. And some people, there is a Labradoodle club and there's a Cockapoo club who are dedicated to make sure that these dogs are being bred responsibly and healthily. Uh, but I absolutely buy beware. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Whenever you're buying a puppy. I mean, you, yes. there's, there are some really responsible breeders out there, whether they're associated with the kennel club or not. And there is some really, really bad breeders out there. Really bad breeders out there. Yes. And we've, I mean, we've had this conversation before. You're going out. Buying a puppy is the only chance that you actually get to, to choose a member of your family. Yes. And yeah. That, that dog's going to be with you for, you know, possibly 15 years. It's a massive, massive responsibility. And you need to make sure that you are going to somebody who is living up to that responsibility and who is being responsible for the, the life that they're creating um, and, and that they're rehoming to people. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you, if you get it right, I mean, Buddy's 13 and a half now. And they have been a wonderful 13 and a half years, you know. And, and I hope we get at least... 15 or you know more if possible but get it wrong and it's hellish so it's a huge decision it is i mean i go to an awful lot of rescue centers i see an awful lot of behavior clients i see an awful lot of what happens when it goes wrong and in fact sometimes i possibly think that i have a slightly more pessimistic view of of dogs than most people have because i tend to i mean apart from friends and family i only get to see people's dogs normally when it's going wrong um the really really enlightened people and i'm thankfully seeing an awful lot more of those now are starting to try and prevent problems before they start and they're the ones that I absolutely love but an awful lot of the people that I see I, I see them when it all goes wrong yeah. uh, however that's going wrong whether it's whether it's aggression whether it's fears whether it's frustrations whether it's separation anxieties or noise phobias or or whether it's just I, I'm seeing an awful lot of really really nervous and worried dogs um, and that's that's what happens when it all starts to go wrong and I would I would far I would far rather have less work and an awful lot more happy dogs out yes mm, absolutely um, if, if anybody's sort of sitting listening to this and thinking yeah actually I, I, I do need help um, there's, I know there's a <laughs> don't we all <laughs> somebody yes. specifically with their dog um, where can they find out more about you because I know there's a lot of help on your website isn't there there is it's being revamped at the moment I'm going to have a brand new website in the next sort of six Exciting. weeks or so so it's a little bit out of date at the moment um, but it is dogtalk.co.uk um, but look out for the new, wonderful, re- revamped website that's coming soon because um, that will have an awful lot more information on it. Uh, and if people do need help, there's lots of really good help that they can get out there. Um, Dogs Trust has just started um, rolling out 
dog training classes in some of their centres, and this will end up in all the Dogs Trust centres, mm-hmm. which isn't just for Dogs Trust people. It is for anybody who wants to go along. And what's unique about them is that they're not particularly focusing so much on training as it, as in preventing problems, it, like you know, life skills, having a dog that will settle when you leave them. Yes. And if you stop in the street to talk to someone, instead of your dog bouncing at them, they'll just know how to lie quietly. And, and all those kind of prevention things and life skills things, which is really exciting so you know contact your local dogs trust to talk about their dog school um, classes but then also the association of pet dog trainers up and down the country do great training classes and there's lots of behavior organizations good reward based behavior organizations as well so if you think you have any problems whether it's with a designer crossbreed with a puppy with your existing dog there is lots and lots of help out there um, either via my website or all the really really good people who are doing work out there at the moment Absolutely. Well, thank you for the help you've given us today, Carolyn. Well, it, it's, been, it's been all oodles of doodles, but I'm, I'm back to championing the poodle. If yes. you really think you want one of these designer crossbreeds, actually look at a poodle first, because that actually might be the answer to it. Might be the answer to your prayers. There you go. Buyer beware, and don't overlook the merits of the poodle. As ever, Carolyn offers sound advice, and we have the link to her Dog Talk website and a link to Dogs Trust on the Dogcast Radio website. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. So, within days of recording that interview, Barb Turnbull asked me to judge the novelty classes at Doodlefest, and after hearing all that from Carolyn, I was especially intrigued to meet some more doodles and find out firsthand what their appeal is, and also look into the work of the Doodle Trust, more of which later. The first thing I noticed at Doodlefest was that doodles do indeed bounce. They can be tall, short, or anything in between, curly-haired or straight, and all the variations, and a huge variety of colours, but they bounce. I enjoyed meeting and being affectionately greeted by several doodles, but I wasn't there to cuddle dogs. Well, not exclusively for that purpose, anyway. I had a job to do. Now, I've been to many fun shows, entered a few, even helped out at some, but I've never judged one before, and this was a new and exciting but daunting experience. As soon as the first class got underway, there were all these hopeful people and their lovely dogs, and while, yes, it was just for fun, I know from experience that it's still unpleasant to walk out of the ring unchosen. Plus, Doodlefest is a big show, and there were lots of people sitting around the ring watching. What would they make of my decisions, I wondered nervously. But back to those decisions, because I only had five rosettes to give out per class. Now, that's a generous number, actually, but it left more people without rosettes than with, and I was really sorry for everybody that I couldn't choose. I comforted myself with the thought that they were there to raise money for a deserving cause, the Doodle Trust, and that was fine for the adults, but when it came to the child handler class, I felt really bad. I addressed the class and told them that it didn't matter what I thought, and that they'd all been brave and achieved a lot just by bringing their dog into the ring in front of all those spectators. I reminded them that they also had a wonderful dog in their lives, and that was worth more than a rosette, and I hope that helped. In fact, it was the children who impressed me as much as the dogs on the day, because there were some very compassionate young owners. They may never compete at Crufts, who amongst us will, but they had built an evident bond with their dog, and that was beautiful, both for the child and the dog. Best Rescue was a moving class, as I heard again and again about dogs who had had a bad start in life for one reason or another, or had found themselves abandoned or bereaved and in the care of the trust. It was lovely to see that they had found their forever homes and were once more happy. But there are more still waiting, and it's for their sake that I want to get the right message out about doodles so that unscrupulous breeders can no longer exploit dogs or people. The best six legs class, a team of two human legs beside four canine legs, presented me with a problem because it was a large class with very many different shapes and sizes of leg. How was I supposed to judge among such variety? What criteria should I apply? After a quick think, I decided to ask each entrant what they thought was special about their particular six legs. There were humorous replies, one of my favourite being from an actually very glamorous young lady who joked that neither she nor her dog had shaved their legs recently. 
There was one particularly moving response from a person whose dog had got them through a tough time and who now felt they would be okay with those four canine legs beside them. The power of a dog is a wonderful thing, and I'm awed and humbled by it constantly. It was a hot day, and the dogs were looked after incredibly well, with stay-cool evaporating coats, swimming, lots of shade, and the care taken of them was impressive. The classes were rounded off with the fancy dress category. People had gone to town on this, and been inventive in their costumes. It was a fun climax to the day, and a very hard class to judge. You know, it strikes me that it's not just doodles who are full of affection, good nature, and bounce. I think their people are too. I had a wonderful time at Doodlefest, and I hope everyone else who attended did. Same time next year? There is no such thing as a hypoallergenic dog. It's a myth. The Doodle Trust rescues and rehomes doodles of all sizes, as well as providing health and welfare advice and giving accurate information about the nature and behaviour of poodle crossbreeds. After a tiring but fun day mixing with doodles and their people, I got this interview. I'm here at Doodle Fest and I'm talking to Barb Turnbull. And what's what's your position in um, Doodle, the Doodle Trust? Um, I'm the MD. I run it. Right. It, it was it was. My idea. Yeah, you're the boss. <laughs> I woke up one day with a, an idea, and yeah. since then it went mad. <laughs> <laughs> I love that though when people get an idea that might occur to somebody else, and somebody else might go, "Oh, I don't think so." But that you act on it, it might be difficult to do, but you did it, didn't you? It's been a vertical learning curve, it really has. I mean, I had no experience in running a charity or anything, but but I've just learned as I've gone along, and it's it, there's been a few wobbles along the way um, and a few problems that you know we've we've had but we, we always come through at the end and, and Doodle Fest is the big fundraiser for, for Doodle Trust every year and it gets bigger and bigger every year. And it's been a lovely day even if you haven't got a, a doodle yeah. you know if you're just a dog person come along because it's a smashing day isn't it it's a lovely atmosphere. Yes yeah it's one big happy, happy family you know I mean we had um, one event organiser was saying to us about all oh, security and this that the other and I said look I said we're just one big happy family we don't have to worry everybody looks after each other um, and even on the campsite I mean we've got 200 pitches camping pitches booked this year all the dogs run free together there's never any arguments and everybody looks after each other so it's a big party yeah yeah now you mentioned the dogs and obviously the dogs are at the heart of things and um, I've come in today and we came in this morning and there were dogs that, they're very they are very very bouncy dogs I mean they're lovely if you're a dog person they're a smashing dog because they're really bouncy and that was the overriding thing there's, there's a lot of bounce to them and there are sort of problems around the doodle name, aren't there? Because they look like a gorgeous teddy bear and the little ones are so dainty and they do look sort of like a really sweet armpit dog for want of a better, you know, term, a lap dog that's just going to sit with you and be a cuddle, you know, which there is that side to them, but that's not all they are, is it? No, they're very active dogs and they have to have a, a job to do. They've got highly intelligent brains yeah. um, and they have to be given something to to do they make brilliant agility dogs assistance dogs gun dogs but you know as long as they've got a job they're happy they're not the sort of dog you can take around for a couple of couple of 10 minute walks a day and that's it and the problem we have particularly with dogs coming in is people take them on and don't realize how much work they are and they come into us as unruly great lumps that have had no training um, and, and we have to try and start again with them but uh, but they are hard work they're, they're, they're more of a lifestyle than just a pet yes, yes. you're not just a person who happens to have a doodle no. you're a doodle you're person a doodle person definitely yeah um, and you know I always say unless you're prepared to change your life to go around your dog don't get one yeah because they are they, they are so demanding um, and as we say you know they, you have to employ them or they become self-employed yeah. uh, and becoming self-employed nine times out of ten is wrecking your home or you know or even sometimes turning aggressive because they have pent-up energy that they can't get rid of so, and also as well as just I mean we've said they are energetic physically but they've got mental capacity as well that needs occupying haven't they incredible incredible mental capacity yes they're so bright nine times out of ten they're brighter than their owners 
<laughs> I often say they're one step ahead of their owner all the time and you have to be one step ahead of them all the time um, because they are so smart you know and they're, and they're quite stubborn as well so it's like well I'm going to do this whether you want me to or not you know and it, it takes some breaking but um, no they are they're highly intelligent they learn very quickly um, and that's why they can be used for so many brilliant things, you know. I mean, the other thing that struck me, you know, being in the ring all day with so many different dogs and, and obviously mainly doodles, they are very affectionate. They've never met me before, and I've had so many cuddles and licks, and they lean on you and jump up you, and they do seem to cuddly with their, you know, legs around you. Like, they're very, very affectionate. Do you think some of the problem can be just, that, as you say, people want a dog just to sit on the sofa or stay at home. They don't want all the... Just the, the sitting with them and keeping them company aspect of it. Yeah, that, that's true. They, these dogs do need company. Yeah. They do need company. They, you can't leave them at home to lounge on the sofa at all. They want to be with people. They're yeah. people dogs. Um, and yes, they love people. They absolutely love people and they love giving everybody kisses and bouncing all over them. That a lot comes from the poodle side because, you know, poodles being circus dogs. Yeah on the back legs all the time and people often say to me how do I stop it jumping up and down and I say cut its back legs off it's the only way you know because that's what they do um, but yeah they are you know they are bouncy dogs they're very friendly dogs they're very happy dogs but they're damned hard work and and the coat as well the, all the different types of coats uh, it's, a, it's a very it's a big myth that they don't shed because they do they shed far more than any other thing dog I've come across um, even poodles shed, but they they shed into the coat and it mats if you don't clip them and brush them. So there's no such thing as a non-shedding dog. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. exist. No. Um, so basically, you know, and, and with the doodles, we get them coming in because they're shedding hair everywhere, and it's like tumbleweed blowing across the floor <laughs> yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah, you know, um, they just constantly shed. So. That, that's one big myth that needs blowing out the water yeah. is that one really I mean, um, the, the thing is I would say if you're interested in a doodle go and meet some because you know the, the, particularly the big dogs when they bounce they're sort of at face level like they're, they're, that's a lot of dog there but they're all a lot of dog they're not a little teddy bear no they're not and a lot of people sell what they call miniature labradoodles but they're far from miniature you know, I mean, we had one come in to rescue, sold, sold to an elderly couple as a miniature Labradoodle. It came into us at 10 months old and it was the size of a Great Dane. They just were getting pulled over with the dog and, you know. So just because it says miniature doesn't mean to say it's going to be small. So again, you know, you have to you have to research the background of these dogs, find out what's behind them and the breeding behind them if you can and get as much information as you can on, on what their ancestry is before you can choose if this dog's going to suit your lifestyle or you're going to suit its lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it strikes me that n more than ever before, getting, a, getting any dog, but getting, uh, you know, some of the newbies that aren't monitored or kept you can get control of by the Casey or wherever, it's more of a minefield. So if someone's looking for a doodle, and I can understand why they are, because I'm really taken with them myself today. And um, how do they get the right advice? Where do they look online for that vital right advice? Basically, on our website, on doodletrust.com, there's a lot of information on there about what to look for when you're buying a puppy and, and what to expect and the training problems and, and help. It's a, a very big website with a lot of information on it. But most people don't look at it until they've got the dog and can't cope. And the amount of people that say, please, you know, I, I wish I'd have looked at your website first and then I wouldn't have got the doodle or I would have known what I was taking on. Um, but certainly our website's got an awful lot of information on um, and as I say doodletrust.com is really the only place to get the accurate information because breeders will sell you what what you want not what they actually are selling yeah. you know um, and they just want the money at the end of the day it's, it's one of those cliches isn't it that it's often not the dogs it's it's the people but with with that sort of bandwagon of oh this is a hypoallergenic this is non-shedding this is you know intelligent yeah okay some of them might not shed too much but you, there's no such thing as hypoallergenic and with the intelligence as we said you've got to meet the needs of that intelligence exactly you have you have you know so the, 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 the standard poodle is one of the brightest breeds in the world um and then you've got your lab, which is usually quite stubborn and thinking, yeah. thinking of his stomach all the time. <laughs> yeah. 
that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, you have got a highly intelligent, stubborn dog on your hands. Yeah. Um, and they can wrap, run, run rings around their owners. They really can. But, you know, the, if you put the work in, if you train them, if you put, put it in daily, and don't just train them and think that that's it, it's learned. You keep repeating it and repeating it and repeating it. And you spend time with that dog and make sure that it doesn't put a foot out of line because the minute it does, it'll take a mile. Yeah. Um, you're going to have a cracking dog. Yeah. But if you're not prepared to put that work in and you're not prepared to give that dog the exercise it needs and give it the um, mental stimulation it needs, then you're going to end up with a nightmare that you can't cope with. And basically that's it, you yeah. know. But having said that, I've met so many beautiful dogs today. They, they, when you get it right, when you get the breeder right, when you get your act together and, and train it, you know, and bring it up right, they are beautiful. They are. They are beautiful dogs, and they are lovely, cuddly family pets, you know. Um, but as I say, put the work in. Put the work in. If you're not, if you're not prepared to put the work in, then don't bother you know it's, it's just not worth it is there anything else you want to say about the doodles or do, sorry doodles doodles in general doodles in general um, only that the, the buying a crossbreed isn't any you, you have no guarantees with any crossbreed and just because it's crossed with a poodle doesn't mean to say it's going to be allergy friendly and doesn't mean to say it's going to be shedding there are any, is anything crossed with a poodle now they seem to think it's going to be you know if it's crossed with a poodle it's going to be ideal and, and there's far from it we get terrier cross with poodles and they have a lot of the terrier traits but the energy and the intelligence of the poodle you know and they're problem dogs they are problem dogs so yeah watch what you're looking for you know watch watch what your breeding is make sure the breeder actually cares and has got a full backup all the time um, don't buy them off Gumtree <laughs> don't you know don't buy them from puppy farms or pet shops but go to a breeder who rears them in the house and is prepared to interview you Absolutely. And, and give you a good thorough going over and ask all the questions before they even think of letting yeah. you see their dog. Yeah. I always think that you want a breeder that grills you. You know, you want a rescue that grills you, that says, what are you going to do with my babies? How are you going to look after them? You want that, don't you? You do, definitely, yeah. definitely. Because otherwise they're just a commodity. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when the problems come in. That's exactly when the problems come in, yes. That's it. And a lot of the people, when they sell them, once they've got the money, they're not interested. And again, um, you need that backup. Tell us again, the website, where do people need to go to for doodle information? They need to go to doodletrust.com. Well, I've had a smashing day. I can recommend Doodle Fest. It's a great day out. Thank you very much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Doodles can indeed be enchanting dogs, but I can quite see that their charm makes them a dream to sell while the reality of life with a doodle might just be too big a challenge for many people. If, after all these warnings, you still want to find out more about doodles, and I can understand why so many people do, we have a link to doodletrust.com on the Dogcast Radio site. I hope that this very honest and in-depth look at doodles has been entertaining and informative. And if you have a doodle who is part of your family, do send us a photo via email, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr or Google+. Thanks for listening, and until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident dog cast radio that's all one word dog cast radio by email you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. when contacting us by email if you have the facilities please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file that way we can include them directly in our program we can accept most formats for example wav mp3 all these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. Why did the Labrador start a non-profit? He said it was better to give than retrieve.